And uh, let's look at another verse. But in chapter 2, in verse 9, the latter part of this verse is really where I'm headed. But the Lord made, uh, out of the ground, made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So God now puts a place, puts this, these trees, the plants there for them to take. But we also know that uh, he told them not to take of the tree of good and evil. That means that there's a choice. How many knows you got choices? Some are better choices and some are not so good choices. And they're always around us. How are we going to know which way to go? How are we going to know what choice to, to make? How are we going to get a hold of the, what, what God really intends for us? Well, he's made a way for us. We will read this verse again, but let's turn to Romans chapter 8. And I'm sure you're familiar. You might even have it in your mind before I even read it. Chapter 8, verse 14. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, would you say it with me? They are the sons of God. As many are, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, when I was a young person, a teenager, and I read that, I, I was making so many mistakes, it was p- pathetic. I was an altar boy in the church. I didn't go to a Catholic church, but I was in the altar. And I was in the altar so much. I didn't know the promise, you know, I didn't know the whole Bible. I was reading as much as I could and trying to understand it. And I got to 1 John uh, 1, 9, and my sister basically brought that to me. I said, I told my sister, I'm, I'm giving up. There's no sense in me living for the Lord. And I hope this speaks to someone out there that feels like, how will I ever succeed? Well, how can I get past these problems? I said, I'm, I'm not serving God no more. That's it. And she said, Really? She said, what's the problem? I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm repenting. I, I'm waiting for Wednesday to come from Sunday to Wednesday to come so I can repent. And uh, then from Wednesday to Sunday, I get in that altar and I repent again. And I said, I just can't live for God. She said, look up First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. And she really emphasized every one of those words, which we really do need to look at deeply especially when we're talking to people that had just come into the, to the walk of the Lord, that they will know that they do have forgiveness. They don't have to wait till Wednesday or Sunday night or whatever service you may have for them to repent. They can do it now. And if they do it with their whole heart, meaning that they really want to change what they're doing, God will not only forgive them of their sin, but empower them to overcome sin. In that same chapter, we, in Romans, it tells us that sin does not have dominion over us. And we can say, praise the Lord. We have dominion, right? You and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have dominion. What do you mean? In God's kingdom, he has given us power, oftentimes far more than we can even imagine, as, as to use it in his kingdom, to share the word with other people, to open doors for other people, as well as watching God open doors for ourselves. Um, I re- recently was going to, through a little trial, and I just decided I would believe. Isn't that wonderful? Pastors should believe. 
I just decided I was going to believe God. I said, Lord, I have this situation where I need this perm- someone, to, a contractor to come in, a permit be pulled, and all of it work out. And I started praying. I said, Lord, I need this. And then I said, Lord, I'm going to thank you for it. Now I'm just going to receive it. I'm going to receive this. And I got a word in my heart through the Spirit. And he said, everything's being taken care of. Just that simple. Isn't it amazing God doesn't really go in length on, on most of what he tells us? I just got taken care of. That's all. We don't even have to question. We know that it is. So I started praising the Lord. And immediately a contract, contractor was introduced to me. And is allowing me to do the work if you're a code enforcement person or permanent. Please just plug your ears. But then he said, let me do the work under him. And I'm taking care of it. And it's all coming together. But I had to get a hold, hold on this that God had given me power. If I was just a sinner, I wouldn't have this hope. He's given me power to ask for things. And grant you, he loves to give to his kids. He loves to take care of his own. Amen. And so I would encourage you, just just note, God is for you, not against you. He wants you to feel his presence and sense his love. And there are times, there's times that you may not feel that power so greatly in your life. But these are just testing times. My father told me of a time that he... Uh, went, I think it was two months without feeling the power of God. And he said it was awful. I mean, filled with the Spirit of the Lord, used of God in many, in many ways. People were healed. People were set free. He was evangelist for a small period of time. And uh, he said, I went through this dry period. And I think he was telling me because if I went through a dry period, I'd know what to fall on. You know, just have faith. This is what you've got to go through. And I believe God lets us have those type of experiences so we can identify with a brother or sister who says... I guess God doesn't love me. Why is that? Well, I haven't felt his presence. Amen? People go through that. Young people as well as older people will go through periods that, that there's a haze in their head. They can't touch anything. Things are not working out or, or they can't see. And they need a little bit of hope. And so God gives us the hope we need. So in chapter 2 of Genesis, we'll flip back here. Uh, in verse 16, the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And so he, he warns them about the tree. Now, I don't know about you, but there's some times when you've, you know, you've get, got great common sense and you know how to take care of things. And for some way, somehow, is that little advertisement, somewhere out of the left, a car hits you or whatever. But uh, things come and things can sweep us away. And if someone asks you, why did you do that? You know good and well you shouldn't have done that. You're like, in your head, like, duh. You're not telling them. You don't want them to know, duh. But you're saying, duh. Yeah, I know it. I know it. I don't know why I did it. I, for the... For, for the life of me, I don't know why I did what I did, said what I said, or I just don't know. It just all come out. Well, God's got grace for those times, but there are times that we do things we shouldn't do. And so here God is telling them, you, you are not to eat this tree. And you know, he put this tree further away from all the other trees. They had to walk out to that tree to get to that tree. If you read, you'll see that it wasn't with the tree of life. It was away from them. And now let's look in chapter 3. The servant was more subtle. He was stealth. He was sneaky. He was, he was everything that you could think of evil. 
And uh, this beast of the field, which the Lord God made, he said unto the woman, this is the snake speaking, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And this, where I'm going is this, is that uh, she knows better, but she's introduced with another thought. Something probably never come to her mind. You know, she might have passed close to that tree. I mean, close meaning maybe enough to see it, but not enough to be near it. And, uh, but now this snake begins to talk to her and present new material to her. Now she's thinking about it. How many has got a TV, radio, or pass on the road and you see advertisement? The whole ideal is to put something in your mind just to think about that. New car, new house, insurance, whatever it might be. They're constantly bombarding you with all the advertisement they can. Why? They know that if they can plant the seed, they eventually reap a crop. And so when you think about what the enemy was doing, he was planting that seed. Whether she took, took, took it right then or whether it would be later, he planted that seed in her mind. <clears throat> Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of this fruit tree, which is in the midst of the garden, hath God said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. What does the serpent's come back? The serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Now, I want you to think about unbelief. Just for a moment. Unbelief. Uh, we, we all in this room believe that there's a God or we wouldn't be in here. And, and I would say probably everyone in this room has a personal relationship with God. Some way or the other. Some deeper, some higher, some you know, broader, some. But we have a, a relationship. We know God. And Adam and Eve had knowledge of God and had a grand relationship with God because God would come to them in the coolness of the day. And he would visit with them. They expected him. And he had such an aura about him that what he, they got from him, they feasted on that fellowship. How many know it was good fellowship? Just builds you up, encourages you. Hallelujah. And God knew this, that he made them just like himself or an image of himself. And he came there and he knew what they needed. And so he gave every time he went to them, he gave them what they needed. They were not just two people in a garden and that was it. God was in the garden. Hallelujah. He came and he shared with them and he loved them and gave them ability to have a, 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 a communication with him. And so much that he gave to them that we know that Adam and Eve, as he tells them, name, the, name all these animals. That's great, isn't it? I forget my grandchildren's name. I don't have that many, but I'll, who, who? I have to wait and like, act like I'm doing something. Then I say, oh, Tyler, come here. For some reason, Tyler's name will not stay in my head. Oh, but anyway, he has all this information. He's able to do what God has told him to do. There's no problem with that. God tells them, don't eat. And he tells them they're going to die when they do. And Satan just really creams this up. He makes a nice cherry pie out of it with whipped cream. My favorite food is salad, uh, potato salad. And... Uh, I'd like to think that he put a little bit of potato salad on it. Because he's gotten me a couple of times. 
For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And then the woman began to think about this. And we said, oh, it's all the women. It's all, no, friend, it's all of us, period. Adam knew better, but he sinned, according to the scriptures. He in advance knew this. He might have heard God say it several times. Now, you know that tree, you know, you're not to eat of that tree. He had knowledge, more knowledge than Eve about it. She knew about it. She heard about it. But it was imprinted in Adam's mind that he was not to touch that tree. He wasn't to eat the fruit. Now, unbelief, I mentioned that word, unbelief. Unbelief is terrible. Unbelief will embrace God. Unbelief will embrace the Ten Commandments. Unbelief will, can, can literally embrace all the things that seems super and is but still doesn't change the person. In Luke 18, 18, we won't turn there, but I'll just tell the story. You know the story very well about the rich man that comes to Jesus. And he's, as he's come to Jesus, he's saying, uh, you know, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives the partial Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not, not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not... And, on and on. And so here, um, he says, I've done all these things. But the Lord tells us what we don't know and what we need to know. He said, you lack us one thing. He said, sell all that you have. And this guy was really, really wealthy. Sell all you have. Give to the poor. And look at all the people that tried to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, no, I need you right here. Just stay right here. He told this rich man that he could follow him as a disciple to be right with Jesus. How many people of that day would have given up everything quickly to follow Jesus all over the hills and valleys and cities and and lakes and wherever Jesus would be, they would be with him. This man cried because he was rich. And his riches meant more to him than the things of God. Oh, that's terrible. It is terrible. It's more than terrible because it misses the mark completely. It misses that mark. Always, always misses the mark. And the thing about it, the man had the goods. He could quote you scriptures. He could point out the Old Testament. I just feel confident. This man knew the word. He had time to read it. He was a rich man. He could tell everybody what to do. And he could spend time with the Old Testament. He may have had a copy himself. If not, he had the opportunity to go to the priests, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and... Look at it himself. He said, all these commandments I've kept. He was one of those boys that got to stay with the Jewish teachers. But he missed it. And I, I, I felt the need of saying this. It's not a Thanksgiving message. I know it's not. I was just so appreciative of our brother talking about Thanksgiving. I said, how am I going to preach this message? And I hadn't even said nothing about Thanksgiving. I just don't know. I was quite concerned about this. So I wrote in my little scribbly back here something that, that uh, you know, when Thanksgiving took place, just in case it didn't happen, I would be up here telling you a little bit about Thanksgiving. I say, how can I tell these people about unbelief? Well, I'm unbelief. See, our religious means, our religious understanding, the things that we're supposed to do, they're all right in what they are. But let me just tell you, what did we read first? Was it the first verse or second verse? Romans 8. It talks about verse 14. Those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Okay? 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And now look at the verse above it. This is neat. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So as, as we look at this this morning, I don't know how long I can preach. Is this two hours, two hours, brother? Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know if it's it with this couple, but one couple said, we're going to take you out to eat. And I said, well, I, after that, brother, you saying, yes, I'd take you out to eat. And I'd say, and I'd pay for the meal. Give me two hours. Hallelujah. So as we look at Genesis and we see that the fall happened with people that were perfect. Now, they fell and they were perfect. Who do we think we are? Right? Have you ever judged Adam and Eve? Have you ever thought, oh, I'd never do that? No, I think if you're of any age at all, you may find yourself already doing that. Falling in that slot of disobedience and not being able to hold what you need to. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to look at uh, a few verses here. Chapter 17 of Exodus. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pissed at Rimethim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Now, if I, my understanding is that Rimethim is a place of rest. Uh, it's where your needs can be met. It says, the, wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide with me? Wherefore do, you, wherefore do you tempt God? Or you tempt the Lord? And he's upset because they're coming. They're not, they're, this chiding means something really ugly. I never knew how people... No, I've seen it in the news. I can see it with my eyes and hear it with my ears, but not conceive it. My wife and I put a little... A, uh, com- a committee together and you know how you have subdivisions in different places and you come up with a little group there and you call or your, your place uh, whatever it is ours was San Perel Association and we were trying to get roads in, in, our, in our place um, this, we are in, we're all dirt roads so if you see my car and it's dirty I didn't even wash it because it's dirty I didn't wash it because the roads are so muddy I can wash them today, go right through it, we muddy them again. And so we tried to get association together, and all these people came out. We invited them. I mean, really went through the place, got everybody out. And I never th- thought in my life that we could try to share something good with the people and have them to shake their n- head and say the same questions over and over. I'm literally, word for word, over every time you answer it, same question. Once again, once again, once again, once again, once again. Uh, my wife, she would lose her voice. And one guy kept saying, uh, why don't the city pay for these roads? They won't do it. And she would explain why they didn't do it. So after about the fourth time, I didn't tell these people I was a pastor. The word was probably out since I was, I've been there since probably at that time about 12 years. But um, I told the guy to shut up. And I hollered it out real loud. I said, shut up. You know he shut up? That I was shocked too. 
I was shocked about everybody was so confused and couldn't get it straight. Something so simple. Couldn't, get, couldn't understand that we will have to pay for the roads. The city said, we'll provide the, the wherewithal to do it. We'll give you the money, but we'll put a lien against your houses that will pass on to other people. If you have to sell your house, won't be no problem. And we'll figure out how to get roads. You know, we don't have roads now. Still don't have no roads. And we're at Southside, or excuse me, we're at St. John's Bluff. I don't want to tell you where I live. I mean, you can come if you want to. We, we have people living with us, so it doesn't matter. But uh, we live in these dirt roads. But I couldn't get it. How is it that they couldn't get it? What, why didn't they understand? Why didn't they come together as a unified group? And, and then, then, then they questioned about the association. Why in the world did y'all put us up? Who do you think y'all are putting an association together? I said, you want this? Hey, you can be president. You can be vice president. I, we don't care. We just want roads. And nobody would talk to us unless we'd become an association. And, uh, and that was a miraculous thing. My wife went downtown to talk to the permit guy. And they were just discussing San Perel Association. Of all days, she shows up. And uh, she tells, tells him, I'd like to talk to the top permit man up here. And uh, I don't know if you have to have an appointment. But they, they called back and tell them, get her up right now. We got everybody around that we want to talk about their, their neighborhood. We want, we're glad she showed up. We were just discussing this. Who knows? Well, I said too much about that. So anyway, there was a place of rest in Remington. You say, well, why did you say all that and stop? Well, I'm just telling you, God worked out something. My part was to seeing all the confusion with people. Can you imagine Moses leading close to a million people through the wilderness? And why not have a problem? Hello? I believe there's a lot more, uh, you know, that, that, than them have not having water. But God had showed himself so powerfully to these people. And yet, time after time after time, they forgot. Nor, ju- not just forgetting, they decided not to remember It wasn't just forgetting. It was they decided not to remember it all. This is where unbelief is so, uh, um, well, it's apparent for sure. But this is where it's so hard-hitting, so so, uh, it digs in. And and we ourselves always have to be careful of unbelief. If I asked any of you, I believe with a sure heart, you'd tell me, yeah, God can heal. If I ask you, can God heal? You say, yeah, God can heal. I've seen people heal. I've prayed for people and they were healed. I'm confident that God can heal. Well, do you believe that God saves people from their sins? Yes, I, totally. You can tell me all these things and uh, comfortably with confidence. But then when God comes to us and he speaks to us, the spirit speaks to us and tells us a certain thing to do, are we living in unbelief? What's the difference if we, if we believe that he exists and, and, and that we can come to him and that he will answer our prayer? And, but, but what he is saying, he's telling us today, is my spirit must be followed and obeyed. My spirit who's speaking to you that I have caused to resident with you. He is the one to guide you. You're not to lean on your flesh. You're not to pop in at one time as a redhead and making your fuss and cuss. And then all of a sudden, you're whatever head, green, purple, bald, whatever. Um, and, and then all of a sudden, you're just the sweetest thing in the world. You say, well, we just heard that you jumped on that guy. Well, that was my wife. <laughs> my wife's throat was going out, so I had a good reason. He still respects me, and we have talked. And we've got a better understanding. He still don't want Rose. 
We, we are tough people. We are, you read about how, how God deals with them, how he miraculously gives them water. What happens in this story is that uh, the Lord God speaks to Moses and said, get the elders and go over to Mount Horb and, and hit the rock one time. And water comes out. Oh, man. Fresh water just pours out of the rock. And everybody's happy again. Everybody's excited again. But what God was trying to do in all this is he was trying to teach them to have faith. They murmured to the point that they wanted to kill Moses. They had murder in their heart. They already had the Ten Commandments given to them. That wasn't supposed to be in their heart. So they already had murder. And and think about it. He said, ask God. They go to Moses because they know Moses will speak for them. But they go with this heaviness. Is this message coming across? So we, we turn the pages again, and we go to the book of Numbers, Numbers six, uh, uh, 17, I believe it is. And so we find, we find another group. Let me make sure of my notes here. I can tell you the story, and that might be easier. But there's a group of people, very knowledgeable of God. In fact, not only... When I mention this name, you'll say, oh, I know where you're headed. But Korah. Korah was an elder. And he gathers 250 elders to go speak to Moses. And as he goes before uh, Moses, he's just telling, you know, we can do like the priests. We can do everything they do. So Moses tells him, go get you a little, you know, a little censer. Light it. And he goes, God's foot. And, and Moses, he's, uh, he's, he's upset, but he also knows the importance of reverencing God. And he, he is this. I don't know about you, but I run across people that act like they talk to God. I know they don't because God would slap them if they said that. You know, I just, uh, I just tell God what I'm going to do. Oh, really? <laughs> I just tell him I'm not going to do that. Oh, really? <laughs> you don't know the same God I know. The same God I know parted the sea. The same God I know killed every one of the firstborn in e- Egypt except for the Israelites' children. And the beast, they're firstborn. Do you really know God? Come on. I just tell him, I tell him, oh, hold on. I don't want to be around you. You might have some lightning strike, don't you? I'm just telling you. I, you have to have, have an awesome respect of God and an awesome fear of God to get anywhere with God. To get anywhere with him. You have a, your heart has to be humbled. Your heart has to be obedient. God moves through people that are humble, people that, that, they can be super intelligent. It doesn't make any difference. God is not impressed. He gave them that. What he's impressed with is when man humbles his heart toward God. That's something God did not give to them. Oh, I don't mean he didn't influence and didn't teach them, didn't impress upon them. But, but it's, this is where we communicate back with God. God, I know you're real, God. Lord, I, I'm, I'm searching for you, Lord. I'm unworthy to be in your presence, God. Some preachers can't handle it. Why? Well, God made you perfect and everything. I, I'm scared of that too. Because I know pride cometh before a fall. How about you? How many knows that pride cometh before a fall? You've got to be careful about how you walk before the Lord. And so we, we look at Genesis and we find Adam and Eve fallen. But then we see mankind fallen. And there was a verse that I skipped. I didn't mean to skip it. But uh, when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord... And it says in that passage there, it talks about uh, people, their imagination was so bad. God said, I'm going to wipe them all out. And he looks on Noah, and it says, Noah walked with God. 
And, and, and that was one thing that I wanted to bring out is that the imagination is so important. Um, not everything you have to think out, but most of it you do. Uh, especially if you were in my bedroom at the mid- midnight hour. I've got a dog that can't see. He acts like he can't hear. He's 15 years old. His name is Moses. You think, well, that's where he got that sermon. And Moses wakes me up. It's sort of a good and a bad thing because a lot of times I stay up and I pray and I read the word and what have you. But there are times I'd like to sleep and he'll start barking. Or I'll hear his paws on the floor. If he licks, Maltese love to lick. And I can hear the slightest sound and I'm awake. I'm one more time. So God's helping with me, Moses, with Moses, because the last two or three weeks, I started petting him as I walk out the front door to put him in the grass so he can do his thing. God is working on us, and he's wanting to take that unbelief and turn it to belief. He's wanting us to say, yes, Lord, you spoke, I will do it. And he wants us to do it quickly. He wants us to move on to the next thing. And he can't get us any further until we decide our choice like Adam and Eve. We decide that we're going to follow him with all of our heart, with all of our might, with all of our strength, with all that we have. We're going to follow him. In 17, Korah, if you just imagine for a moment. See, I want to talk about imagination. Just imagine for a moment. I have to imagine to get from my bed to the bathroom and my bed to the outside. A couple, a couple times I didn't do real good on my imagination. Ran, ran into these posts that's on our bed. Lights wasn't on. I've, I've tried to put my filters out. That don't always work. Sometimes I'll miss it like that and run into it this way. Cora, somebody to be dealt with. You have to imagine, just put, put on their clothes, the Israelites' clothes. Put on their sandals. Think about being in the wilderness, wilderness of sin. Now, in Rephidim, they're out. They're past the wilderness of sin. But think about just all the things they had to do. How in the world did Korah come up with this idea that he could do it better than the priest? Imagination. Hitler didn't become Hitler the way he did, without imagination. And I'm not saying there's not influence along the imagination line. How can any of these people move to great status in places? Imagination. They begin to plan, strategize, and work it out. Coral begin to think, I can, I can be greater than these. We can serve like these. The only problem was is he didn't have God involved in this equation. It's just that he imagined. We're just as spiritual. We know as much. And at one point, Paul, uh, Moses said it this way. He says, I would to God that all prophesied. That all prophesied. And why was he saying it? Because they would have a grander knowing and a greater understanding about their spiritual experience. And their walk with God would be closer. So we attack unbelief in our lives. And, and the only really way to do it is to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. 
Continue to pray in tongues. Continue to pursue your ministry, whatever it is. Pursue it with all your heart, with all your might and your strength. When I say pursue the ministry, whatever God's calling is in your life, it's not going to go away. But it will do you good to let it work because you're going to grow spiritually. There are many people that are teachers, many people that, that uh, have giftings, and they ha- are not using their giftings. Not at all. Paul said he went out preaching. He said even to the beast. <laughs> if there's nobody to preach, he's going down the road. Hey, and you cows over there, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. <laughs> said he was preaching to the beast that all would hear the gospel. You say, well, I have no church to, to, or teach. I have no opportunity. Go out there and preach in the, in the woods if you have to. The squirrels, the bugs, whatever. God sees your intentions to do something for him. He will cut you loose and show you where to go and what to do. He'll open doors for you like you've never seen before. But it takes come for coming from that attitude of, well, it really doesn't matter, to the place it does matter. And I'm hearing from God. I'm listening to what he's saying. And I'm hearing what he says through the word, through the preaching of the gospel, for my own reading, my own study. And I'm listening and I'm earnestly praying in the night or praying in the day, whichever that hour might be or that time for you, that you may receive the things of the Lord. So, Korah. Cora, I want to ask you a question. We all got our Jewish clothes on. We want to hear what's going on. He said, I could do it better. I know I could. I could do it as good. God can use me. Then I would ask Cora this question. Cora, where did you go wrong? After he tells us whatever, what what did you do that caused God to do what he did to you? He said, well, let's just ask some other questions. Do you believe there's God? Yes, I do. How do you have any proof of it? Yeah, there's fire by night and cloud by the day. We see that all the time. God's keeping us cool in the daytime and warm at night. And uh, what other? Well, there's manna that falls from the heaven. And we get up every morning. We scoop up this manna and we, we enjoy a meal. God keeps our clothes from rotting. Look, I've been wearing this for 20 years. You know, he could go on and on and on and tell us all the different things that God had done. And God showed himself real to him. Well, Cora, where did you go wrong? When I begin to think for myself, independently from God, that's where I went wrong. I didn't go to him and ask him. And, and, and if he did speak, I did not listen. 250 people, ground opened up, they went in. Tents. Oh, what a loss. What a loss. But God was not going to let the cursed remain with the blessed. We, when you study the Old Testament, you understand a lot of what, about what Paul wrote. When he said, don't have fellowship with fornicators. Don't have fellowship with extortioners. Don't have fellowship. And he goes on with a list. Not to have. Why? Because you're not of the world. These who claim to be of God and still walking in that flesh, sin is sin, and God deals with sin. Amen? Why? Because he can't have fellowship in that light that you and I know it. He can't have fellowship with darkness. Doesn't mean he won't deal with him. Doesn't mean he doesn't love him. Hello? We're not judges. He's the only ultimate judge. But it is for us to be careful about how we associate with people, meaning those who call themselves of the church, that still live in sin, ongoing sin, and refuses counsel, 
refuses to change, makes no effort because it's convenient. And I don't want to go into that. That's all for whoever is catching it. Unbelief is terrible because it can tear down the family. Unbelief can tear down the church. Unbelief can tear down a nation. It can pull down the powers to be. Unbelief can do all kinds of things. And we'll see over and over again the destruction as the kings are raised, raised up to do the will of God and the plan of God. Unbelief destroys the kingdoms. When is it when another nation comes and says, God sent me? To destroy you or God sent me to come and take you captive. Nebuchadnezzar knew. King of Persia knew that God was using them to bring judgment upon Israel. For what? That they may know their God. That they may repent and turn, to the, turn back to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I have no clock in this room. I still can preach. Where is that? Oh, there it is. Thank you, brother. I've got to come back and take you out to you, brother. Thank you. Man, hallelujah. Glory to God. So anyway, that I just wanted to share this with you that you might know that unbelief is not on a unbeliever, but unbelief can settle down on a believer. It's just that they quit letting God be their guide. Saints... We need to pray for one another. Paul said that. Other disciples, or apostles said the same thing. Pray one for another. Why? Because the same devil is after you, the same devil after me. Why do I need to pray for you? The same enemy that's trying to come in, undercurrent, bring that undercurrent to rip you out. He's still, he's still trying to do it with me. And everyone who knows anything about God, you, it is about being on your knees. Now, you can't get on your knees because you've got arthritis. Hey, then sitting down. Hallelujah. Whatever it is. Somebody said, well, I can't do that. We don't come up with I can't. You can. You just do it the way you can do it. Amen. You just do it. And try, by all means, strive to have the mind of Christ. Aren't you glad you got the little preacher inside your head? You're about to go do something wrong, and all of a sudden, I ain't going to do that. No, sir. I, I, I heard this said. They said, the greatest preacher is not Spurgeon, and they went on through a list. The greatest pe- preacher... Is you, the little preacher that's in your head that tells you, this is the way, this is the way, walk ye therein. This is the way you should go. And I believe that God is encouraging our hearts in this area that you might be sensitive to the Spirit. Now, how many, uh, you don't have to give me of hands, but how many are filled with the Spirit? I want you that question. Am I filled with the Spirit? Have ever been filled with the Spirit? And what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I know your pastor, he's very thorough in a lot that he does, especially for the body of Christ. And he would encourage you to seek for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And ask, ask your pastor, ask, the, ask, ask evangelists, ask different ones to pray for. I could pray for you, no problem. To be full of the Spirit. And then if your, your glow is down, and you've you're not been in the presence of the Lord, you can get your glow back. You can get that light lit uh, or, or get it brighter by knowing him, seeking him. Because every one of us go through trials that just seem like we can't get through it. Or go times, how many have a hard time praying? You ever go start praying? It's not, you don't want to pray. It's just like, 
It's just the wind's out of your sail. And like, I don't even know what to say. Stay there a little bit longer. Start praising the Lord. Worship the Lord. Read, read the latter uh, parts of Psalms where, it's in, where it talks about praising God. I think there's like maybe ten Psalms, one after the other, that just talks about glorifying God, glorifying God. Just fill your soul up with praise, and you'll watch from, your, from that point that God will just start giving you the words to say to him. Amen. That's what he likes. Amen. He likes to flow through here back to himself. And uh, hallelujah. We're going to come to the place of asking anyone here that may have come and you were in search for God and, and you, you wanted to know him. Uh, give you an altar call. Let you come forward and receive the Lord as your Savior. Uh, it's not that hard. It might be scary. I remember trembling behind generally the last pew or close to the last pew and I'd be trembling I know the Lord was dealing with me and I'm like oh goodness I don't want nobody to know that I'm a sinner like, like they didn't know it already I thought I could hide it you can't hide it from God and you can't hide it from people there's a light that turns on when Christ comes in it, the light's on hallelujah and he abides so if you don't know the Lord as your Savior I encourage you to accept him today you and I do not know the day and hour that the Lord will come. That's not to put fear in your heart. We don't know when he's going to come and we don't know when we're going to leave. But there's a number, uh, there's a time that's given. And God gives us precious time to accept him and a precious time to serve him. And that is the delight of our hearts to get, get just not only brought into the family of God to be, but to be able to enjoy the family of God and then be, go, be able to go back in the world to share the gospel with others. What a joy to see somebody give their heart to the Lord. There's nothing that gives us another saint pleasure, great pleasure to see someone give their heart to the Lord. But even the angels join in. They're like, look at that. She finally came. Praise the Lord. They rejoice in heaven over one sinner that's come to the, into the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me? If you're fearful of coming up by yourself, would you just tell somebody next to you, would you come with me? Like, man, that's, that altar is so far away. I've never seen it that far away. But, but just tell somebody, listen, I'd like to come up there, but I want to be prayed for. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're going through a lot of trauma and sickness. We'll be glad to pray for you. I remember when I pastored the first church, only pastored two sounds real big first church I pastored there was a lady that was very close to the church where she basically lived close to the church and she came to church and I didn't know what her problem was and uh, she began to explain we prayed for her she said I don't have very long to live I got liver cancer and uh, I'm on my way out the Lord healed her completely pain cancer gone did Otis do it? no Jesus did it Hallelujah. Our eyes must always be on the master. He's the one who changes things. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody that needs the Lord in your life. I tell my congregation at times where, where I know somebody is there that possibly might not know the Lord. I tell them, listen, if God can save you on the street or in an alleyway or in front of a liquor store or behind a liquor store or not very far from the drug dealer, he can save you right where you stand. Amen. 
but make sure you tell somebody that you, you've accepted Jesus into your heart. Tell somebody's, hey, listen, I'm a Christian. I'm part of the family of God. How do you know this? Well, he said, if you believe on him, if you accept him, and repent. Father God, we thank you for this day and your blessings. And we thank you for this beautiful con- congregation. I pray, Lord, that word that you gave me, Lord, will sink deep into all of our hearts, including this preacher. Lord, that we'll fight that old battle with unbelief, Lord, with faith. Lord, all things are possible to him who believes. Glory to God. We praise you, Father, that you will stimulate our faith, encourage us in this way, Lord. We bless you today. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for Brother Register, Lord, that you, uh, him and his wife, that you just bless him as they're gone, Father. Like our brother said, may they be refreshed, Lord, when they come back. Lord Jesus, they will just flow with new things that you've given them. And Lord, we pray for this congregation that they're seasoned in the word and seasoned in the spirit. Lord, that they can't keep this message to themselves. They know the end is near. They want to tell others that you're coming and that you're coming soon. And, and Lord Jesus, if you, you do wait, Lord, there's trouble around the corner. It's not to cause us to fear, but Lord Jesus, to look to know that our redemption draweth nigh. And today, Lord, we pray for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us needs a reuniting, a rekindling, Lord, anointing of the Spirit. May we be baptized in the fire of the Spirit, Lord. That wherever we go and whatever we do, Lord, will shine out with love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness. Let unbelief, Lord, go in the name of Jesus. And may the power of Christ win us continually, Lord, that we'll obey you and serve you. Until you come, Lord Jesus, our mind and heart is set on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy it. Amen. Amen.